and Brother Christ, Kevin Dooley. Kevin, uh, I, I met Kevin in Bible college, and I had gotten to school that year um, and a few days early, and I had already injured myself playing basketball and had a cast on my leg. It was laying in my bed, and the first words that I ever heard from Kevin Dooley was, break a leg. Um, and um, I appreciated that. Um, but but Kevin has uh, has a heart for God, and God in early on got a hold of his heart for missions, and went from college to Central America, Panama, Dominican Republic, um, and uh, has spent uh, almost ten years in northern Af- northern Africa. Uh, he has spent a lot of time overseas in missions, and he is still involved with missions now living stateside so he's going to come this morning going to tell a little bit about uh go mission and he's going to share the gospel with you this morning so kevin come thank you well good morning everyone it's it's so good it is so good to uh to be with you in church and i have to tell you this is my first time uh to be back to church uh since the you know covid became uh certainly a concern and precautions were taken and so, uh, but I can tell you that I've done church more than I ever have. It's like I, I attend like three or four online services and connect with people around the country and, and just see what God is doing even in the most challenging of times. And so uh, it, this, is, um, this is a strange time, <clears throat> a difficult time. And uh, I, pr- I appreciate the fact that, that we're back together but still taking precautions, concern for uh, our friends and family. Uh, I have a, a sister-in-law who's battling cancer, pancreatic cancer, and and um, so we're very, very cautious and, and careful with her, with her um, and my father as as well as um, others in our family. You know, are are vulnerable and at risk. So I've kind of formed this habit, and if I've shaken hands with you uh, this morning, I guarantee I've gone to that little bottle, and, and you know, no offense. Um, but, you know, the precautions aren't, certainly aren't a bad thing. Um, but it, it, God is still God. He's still doing his thing. It, it's funny because Kevin tells that story, actually, about me saying break a leg. But see, we lived on the same dorm floor in college. And he lived right next door, you know, to me. And so I kept walking by and I saw he had his leg up in a cast, you know, just poor guy stuck in a dorm room. And this is before air conditioning, before internet. It's not like he's watching Netflix, binging, whatever. Um, You know, he was just sweating in a cast. And uh, so I had great compassion on him. And every time I went past his room, I told him, break a leg. And... uh, but we had some great memories on that on that dorm floor, and and wrestled a lot. And man, what I I pick a fight with him and regret it every single time. I have rug burns. I'm sure the scars are gone today. But um, um, what I appreciate about Kevin is he's one of these ten talent guys. He can sing, and let me tell you, he can fish. And I found out yesterday that he could fish, and so uh, it's it's just. It's just great to, to connect with him every opportunity uh, that I get. And what I really appreciate about Kevin is his heart for loving people and making disciples. And, um, so I'm, and his love for the Word of God and, and for, for preaching the Word of God. And I know you appreciate that 
to you. As he mentioned, we spent 10 years in, in Central America training Latino uh, church planters in uh, uh, planting churches. We worked with a medical mission when we were uh, down there, so I recruited medical doctors to work with us, both Panamanian and American medical doctor, moved his family down there. And we helped the poorest of the poor among the indigenous people in western Panama. We were involved in some uh, agricultural initiatives. I worked with the Ag University there in western Panama. And uh, we had an agricultural engineer in the church. And so we helped indigenous people who were used to just, uh, you know, slashing and burning and cutting down the sides of their, their mountainsides and setting them on fire and burning up all that organic matter. And so we introduced some... Uh, uh, organic farming with them. We help them with their coffee crops. And um, what a blessing because in doing that, they were able to see Jesus. We were able to, to model the Christian life. Because what we share here is only a launching pad for what God desires for his church. We need to go and be. We need to proclaim the gospel in word and indeed in how we live. And you know, if, if we're not living right, then our words don't mean anything to this community, to our neighbors, and, and to our friends. And so um, what a joy just to serve the Lord's church. And we, we trained about 50 national church planters in the short time. Ten years we were there in Central America. And um, we, we saw about 80 churches planted, about 8,000 uh, baptized believers in that time. So it was an honor to be a part of the bigger thing God was doing, because he was doing it in the midst of civil war. He was doing it in the midst of natural disaster. He was doing it in the midst of poverty. And uh, yet the church was growing uh, so incredibly, incredibly fast. Um, <clears throat> We did have a lot of teams that came down to visit. I need to make sure my phone's off. Not that I'm going to get any pings in this, in this service, but that's, it's always distracting. Who was that? But uh, no one calls me anyway, so I'm, I'm probably safe. Um, <clears throat> but when, when we were in uh, um, Central America, we had a lot of teams that came. And we had, uh, and Kevin came down with a group of youth ministers from Christ in Youth. It was like a, a youth minister leadership team that came down to Central America. So they got to see uh, what, what God was doing among the indigenous people. And I still remember Kevin telling a story, and, and, um, <clears throat> and he was twice the man that he is today probably. Uh, I'm talking about size. And, um, but the, the kids were amazed, and, and they were like, oh, el gordo, I think that they, they called him. And uh, it was really cute. But he was telling some David and Goliath stories and uh, really putting it all out there. And, and these indigenous kids were just, you know, uh, little, little guys and girls. But I don't know if he put the fear of God in, but he got their attention. Um, I remember one youth minister group, and there was one youth minister who's a friend of mine from Flint Hills, uh, the Christian church up there, and some other guys from Kansas, and a few from Oklahoma. And they were down, down for this big conference that we're having. Hundreds of Panamanians and indigenous people were in the church building. And we were all singing songs, and I was up on the stage for whatever reason. I don't remember if I was translating or speaking or, or what, but I was sitting on the stage, so I saw these youth ministers giving up their seats, for all the, you know, all the people that were coming to church and they were standing in the back and we were singing in Spanish and I saw all the youth ministers singing and I thought, I didn't know that you Kansas youth ministers, you know, you struggle with English. I didn't know you could speak Spanish. And uh, so they were, then we were singing this great song, Poderoso es nuestro Dios. And what is Poderoso? 
uh, mean in Spanish? Anybody have any idea? It sounds like poder, power. Poderoso, powerful. Poderoso es nuestro Dios. Powerful is our God. And we're singing, it's one of these choruses that you can just get stuck in it and think you're never going to get out. Poderoso, poderoso, poderoso es nuestro Dios. Poderoso es nuestro Dios. Poderoso es nuestro Dios. And that could go on for probably not hours, but it feels like it. And so here's all these youth ministers from Kansas standing in the back. And man, their lips are moving. I'm thinking, wow, I'm impressed. They're joining in this worship about this powerful, powerful God. And they're singing in a, in a foreign tongue. And, and I was so impressed. And we were singing away, and they were all singing their hearts out. And after, after the, the service was over, I ran back there, and I asked them, I said, I didn't know you guys spoke Spanish. They said, oh, no, we don't speak Spanish. I said, well, you were singing with us. In the service, you were, you were, you were singing out. I, I saw your lips moving, and you guys were laughing and, and singing your hearts out and just sharing in the, in the joy of the Lord with hundreds and hundreds of people that had come. They said, oh, yeah, no, we made up our own words. I said, you didn't know what we were singing? No, we don't, we don't understand much Spanish at all. Donde está el baño? That's about it. That's about as far as it went. I said, well, so you don't know that we're singing about the, you know, the power of God? We didn't understand a word of it. And I, they said, we made up our own words. I said, well, what could you possibly have been singing with us? And they all began. They broke out into a chorus and began singing, Oh, the toaster, oh, the toaster, oh, the toaster does not work. Oh, the toaster does not work. Oh, the toaster. And I said, are you kidding me? We're singing about the power of God. To change the world. And you guys are, are, are singing about broken kitchen appliances. <clears throat> but you know what? Sometimes that's kind of how we are at church. You know, we'll show up and our lips are moving. And we're nodding and laughing and singing away. And so close to the power of God. But I can't, I can't think of another time in my short lifetime on this planet, and I'm about Kevin's age, I can't think of another time in my history on this planet, maybe you agree with me, that the power of God is not needed more than today. And I'm excited. I'm excited that God is at work in the world and that his power is at work in the world. And I want to encourage you with one word today. I want to share with you one word today that I believe it encourages me and I hope and my prayer has been that it will encourage you too. And it is the last word in the book of Acts, in this history book, this documentation, this historical documentation of the birth and the expansion of the church worldwide from this, this small little group to being known all around the world. And it's the last word in the book of Acts. And so in uh, Acts chapter 28, in verse um, 31, I think we have that um, up there. But this is, um, you know, Paul's imprisoned in his own home. It has how the book of Acts ends. And then it says people continue to come to him. And it says he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness 
hindered. You know, the last word in the Greek, now some, some of our Bible versions will uh, not place it as the last word, but I promise you in the original languages um, that the Bible was written in, that the book of Acts was written in, God's Holy Spirit inspired that this one Greek word, uh, unhindered, without hindrance, was the last word to be dropped in into this historical account of the expansion of the church. And let me tell you, this Greek word, you know, you can look for it and search for it. It's used no other place in all of the inspired word of God. God's Holy Spirit reserved this word to be used one time, to be used as the last word in the history of the church, and he put it there for us so that we would be encouraged in our day and time, in the most difficult day and time we can find ourselves in. And that word is unhindered. It's a reminder the gospel is unhindered. And I need that message today. I need to be reminded that, that the gospel is not stopped. It is not stopped by, by poverty. It is not stopped by pestilence. It is not stopped by pandemics. The gospel will go unhindered. And it is exactly in the most difficult, the most challenging of times, that the gospel message is the most powerful. In times that we need, that the world needs to see love, and those are in times of hatred. This is the time for the church. The time for the church. So I, I want to I share from 2 Thessalonians. And this is our text, is chapter 1. And this is, this is a persecuted church. And you can see the account of, of Paul and Silas is as after they were in prison and then they went to Thessalonica. And people came to faith in Thessalonica, Jews and Greeks, God-fearing Greeks. Many people came to faith, and uh, this uh, religious group was very jealous, and so they stirred up all sorts. They stirred up a mob and a riot and, and destroying the city, and, and they, they said, hey, these, these Christians are telling, they're telling everyone that they need to worship a God other than Caesar. And Paul and Silas, they had to get out of town in a hurry. And then the believers that were left were beaten. They were persecuted. And they were experiencing the most difficult of times. And yet, we'll learn these le this letter for the persecuted church is a letter for us today. Because it is an unhindered message. Even though the word was only used as the last word for emphasis, as a reminder of the unhindered nature of the gospel, we see it played out in the lives of the persecuted church right here in 2 Thessalonians. And so let's, let's, look, at, um, let's look at our, our text. And we'll start with verse um, 3, where Paul writes, he says, We are always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. This morning, I want us to see the unhindered lives of the persecuted church, and I want us to understand and be reminded that, that we have in the gospel and our hope in Jesus Christ, we have unhindered lives. And we see this in... Here in this text, in verse 3, he says, Your faith is growing more and more. 
And our faith needs to continue to expand and to grow. And, and that faith is tested. When it is tested, it is tried, and it is true, our faith is the strongest and the most difficult, painful of times. We were down in Central America, and, and uh, Kevin, I don't remember if you were down there, Manuel, Manuel Noriega had already been taken out. He was a brutal military dictator in Central America. We were doing, taking our, the Latinos that we were training in Panama and going into Nicaragua and planting churches when Ortega, Manuel Ortega, some of the most bloody dictators in all of Central America, and yet the church was growing the fastest. It was uh, growing strong in times of difficulty because they were leaning upon the hope that they had in the unhindered gospel. And that is our hope. And we see that their faith was growing more and more. And the love every one of them had was increasing. Oh, to have been a part of, uh, of the growth of the church during the most difficult of times. I remember we were training... In one of our institute programs, we were going door-to-door, knocking on doors and handing out Christian information, literature, Bible verses, saying, hey, if, you'd, if you want to, there's a group of Christians studying God's Word. If you're interested in God's Word, um, uh, God's will for your life, we're, we're meeting, and we, have, we had children's Bible clubs going on. But we started launching this. Actually, it was just the week after one of the strongest earthquakes had hit Western Panama. It was 7.5 on the Richter scale. Okay, that is a strong, strong earthquake. I remember Kim and I were at the store at the Mercado, and we were buying all the groceries for over a dozen, a dozen and a half of us were in this institute training program uh, together. And, uh, and it, was, it was common for there to be uh, tremors, just little shakers, you know, and, and it, because we were on a, on a fault. But to, to experience an all-out 7.5 earthquake, man, I'm a Hoosier. I... I never heard not, there might have been dishes rattling one time in the in the cabinets and someone said we had an earthquake I, I had no recollection but I'll never forget that day in Panama and we had all of our groceries on the counter and and all of a sudden there was a tremor and I thought okay what's going on here and then the groceries started jumping up and down uh, you know uh, on, on the checkout uh, area there in front of the cashier and I looked in the back of the store and and the shelves started taking their first steps and they were throwing produce to the floor and and the the window big glass window in front had you know bars uh, around it and it was creaking and and the window was bowing back and forth and everyone was running for the door trying to get out before this building fell on them <coughs> It's not COVID, I promise you. It's uh, allergies, you know. I've, like some of you guys, I've had allergies all my life with this sinus drip, and I'm out working in the yard hacking my head off. And my neighbors didn't used to care about my allergies. I said, folks, I've been hacking for three months. If it had been two weeks, we'd had something to be concerned about. But I, there's the, anyway, Kevin gave me the test when I came in before he let me in town. Have you been out of the country for the last two weeks? No, Kevin. It was the Dominican, and it was six months ago. Do you have a fever? No, Kevin. Let me test you. And uh, <clears throat> do you know anybody? Anyway, he went through. I thought I was getting into the ER or something. So if I, if I hack, I will hack this direction, and we can re-sanitize everything. But I'm, <clears throat> I'm careful. Imagine the 7.5 earthquake. We were running out of this grocery store, fearful that it was falling down on top of us. 
and the cars were all parked diagonally outside and the tires were chirping as they were lunging from one space into the next and the big mango tree across the street was just shaking its fruit and its limbs were hitting the street and I'm telling you the waves and the pavement it was an experience but after that people were fearful to close their doors they were afraid to close their doors because you have these big iron gates that slam into a big iron uh, steel frame in these uh, cement block houses with tin roofs and and they have bars on the windows and they know if they slam that gate and it gets bound in an earthquake they are not get they're trapped they're trapped and vulnerable to, to to fire and and so people were fearful and they they slept for a month with their doors open and then here we came want to let them know that hey they're there are followers of Jesus in this community and we're praying for our neighbors and we're studying God's word discovering God's will for our life if you if you're interested in in knowing what God's word says in studying God's will for your life we invite you to join us do you know what kind of response we had after that earthquake we had 100% positive response to people wanting to study God's word in the most difficult of times, in the most challenging of times. Man, I've been encouraged, even through COVID, to see all the baptism Sundays. How do you do that? To see people coming to churches all across this nation and around the world, say, you know, I've, I've had time to think. And I've had some fears that I can't quell on my own. I, I need Jesus. And people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, even when the church doors aren't open in regular intervals, People have been coming and coming to faith in Jesus Christ and being buried with him and united with him in his death and raised to walk forever, unhindered. Their faith was growing in the midst of difficulty. Um, the second point <clears throat> that, that helps us in all this is, is found here in verse 5 and 6. <clears throat> I mean, he talks about their faith growing. He talks about the love every one of you has is increasing. He even talks about their perseverance in persecution. Um, in, in verse 4, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. So he was, he was celebrating with them their faith, their love, and their perseverance. And if, if you flip back just one page to his first letter, that's how he starts it too. He says, we always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father, your work, your work what? Produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was celebrating their faith, hope, and love. And that, that those, I mean, those are the, the identifiers. Those are the symbols. That's the evidence of an unhindered life. That faith, hope, and love that we're anchored to. But our, our second point, in verse 5, he says, uh, and, and we're going to talk about unhindered grace. And, and we see it in verse 5, it says, all of this, wait a second, all of what? Well, their faith, hope, and love. Their growing faith, their increasing love, their perseverance. He says, all of this is evidence that God's judgment is right. What was God's judgment? Okay, the evidence that God's judgment was right was faith, hope, and love uh, being manifested in the lives of Christians. But, but what was God's judgment? God's judgment 
was to come to this earth, to be incarnated in flesh, to live among us a perfect, perfect holy life, and then to, to die for our sins and take our sins upon himself on the cross. Conquer death, enter the grave, but defeat it, not stay there. Come out of the grave and take all of our sins away so that all those who would believe on Jesus Christ and who would be united with Christ and join him there in that grave uh, through water baptism and be resurrected with him, never to die again, that, that's God's judgment. And in a word, that's grace. That's unhindered grace. God chose to do that for us. Now, I want to ask you a trick question so you've been warned. Be careful about raising your hand, okay? How many here today want to get what you deserve on Judgment Day? Raise your hand. Yeah, how many here want to get what you deserve on Judgment Day? Not me. I don't want to get what I deserve on Judgment Day. Because, you know, on my best day, when I am helping the poor, when I'm giving away all that I have, when I'm serving others on my best day, on my very best day, I deserve complete, total, utter separation from God. That's what I deserve. My friends, the gospel is we get what we don't deserve. We get what we don't deserve. That, that is the unhindered grace of God allowing us to partake in what he has so freely provided that we can't earn. We, we, we can't achieve. We can't merit. It is by grace we have been saved. By what Jesus did for us, what we cannot do for ourselves. So I don't want to get what I deserve. I want to get what I don't deserve. And, and the reason is it follows in verse 6. It says, God is just. God is just. <clears throat> it says he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. God is holy and just and there must be payment for penalty. There must be a, a payment for those who've done wrong in the sight of a holy God because there's no way we can approach God in His holiness, in His perfection with any of our sin. We could not exist in His presence and it's only because we put on this robe of righteousness, we are clothed in Jesus Christ that we are ushered into God's presence. God demands payment for penalty. And it says it right here. God is just. And I, I didn't put these scriptures up there <coughs> because they're not <clears throat> real popular. It's hard to preach about hell. It's hard to listen to verses that are very, very clear um, about that. But this, this gives us the reason, the what for about grace, why we have to have grace, why we have to find forgiveness uh, in Jesus Christ through grace. He says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. 
they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. This is why we need God's grace. Because God is just. Judgment day is coming. This is why we need missions. This is why we need to make disciples that make disciples. This is why we need to send and we need to go and we need to pray that the message of grace, the message of our Lord Jesus, the gospel will go to every tribe and every language and every people group. Well, I'm glad we got through point two. I'd just rather get to the fun stuff, the powerful stuff. And so I'm glad this first chapter kind of ends on a power spot, right where we began. Poderoso es nuestro Dios. I love that word in Spanish, poderoso. It's powerful. And I lost my voice preaching in Panama in Spanish too. So I'm telling you, this has been a lifelong struggle that I've had. No sweat here. And I will decontaminate before, during, and after. <laughs> poderoso es nuestro Dios. Unhindered power in verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> it says, with this in mind. With this in mind. What's that? With what in mind? What did we just get done talking about? Eternal hell and damnation and separation from God. He says, with this in mind, with the grace of God and his forgiveness available for all who will come to Jesus Christ, with this in mind, he says, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition every desire for goodness and every deed prompted by faith. You know what God wants to do? He wants to bring every good desire, every good desire that you have, every good thought prompted by faith, he wants to fulfill it. And he can. And he will. And he's eager to do just that. That's why we need to pray constantly. I've got a cough drop. I could put it in my mouth, but I've hit the sixth row with cough drops before, so. I I respect y'all more than that. (laughs) With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that we may count you worthy of his calling. And this is where we need God's help. I mean, we looked earlier about being worthy of the kingdom, and that's by grace. Jesus did that. But to be worthy of the calling, well, we're more involved. We're worthy of the calling, but by the power of God. Not by our own energy. This is what I love about this. This doesn't depend upon me. It doesn't depend upon us. It doesn't depend upon you. This is God's plan. This is God's mission. It is a great co-mission. It's his. We're joining him. It's not my mission. And to see that God is already at work among the nations, among the peoples of the world, waiting for opportunities, global pandemics, earthquakes, Natural disasters. That's what I love about IDES. What your family, the Jets are doing with the International Disaster Emergency uh, Fund. And I saw them on your missions board. You all pray for IDES. I know regularly we certainly need to. But they respond in the worst of times, and they respond with the love of God. And as a result, yeah, homes are built. 
Health is extended, but the church is planted. And the gospel expands by the power of God. By the power of God, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he'll do everything that you desire. So the pressure's off. The pressure's off. It's all on God. It's been great to see these teenagers that we trained many, many years ago in the Dominican Republic, or in Panama. They returned to the Dominican Republic. Some have returned to Guatemala, others to Costa Rica, one down to Ecuador. And they've been involved in church planting movements, disciple-making movements. And now just to see the full circle in the Dominican Republic, to see who were students are now old folks <laughs> working in, in the harvest and through church planting initiatives in the Dominican Republic. You know, the Dominican, they, they, the youth love more than anything else, they love baseball. And a lot of our major leagues, they're recruiting. Matter of fact, you'll see most major leagues have, have recruiting. Um, they have, uh, you know, training centers in the Dominican Republic. And these, these Dominican uh, youngsters, they will be signed by age 14, 15, 16 years old in these training camps. And so you know what a lot of these Dominicans have thought over the many years since the history of baseball? They said, why go to school? Why go to school when I can just play baseball and become so good that I'll get $50,000 in a signing bonus, build a house for their mom. Those Dominicans, they love their moms. <clears throat> and so most of these kids have dropped out of school. The reality is very few of them get, get signed to the majors. And so in the Dominican, Go has a big training facility. Yeah, they're, they're training in sports, and the students, they come out. We, we have the biggest in all the island of Hispaniola. We have the biggest uh, under-roof, you know, basketball academy. And we have uh, baseball training. But these students, they're encouraged to finish their high school educations. They're encouraged to continue in their education and to learn Bible. And to learn the skills that they'll need to be successful. And to learn a trade. And to become the leaders in our churches and church planters. And so their lives are transformed and we're seeing community transformation in every corner of the Dominican and then from there to the nations so it's exciting to see churches like this church well see yeah we want to pray we want to pray for missions and we want to be involved if we can as God leads us maybe we'll go maybe we'll send a team maybe you'll send your preacher your youth minister and find a partnership where we can pray for community and uh, not so far off land in the Caribbean. Pray for them in the most difficult of times. It's glad to see that their clinic and Go Medical is reopened. And um, they've been very, very involved in loving a very marginalized, impoverished, struggling community in the midst of COVID. But they've been very, very responsive and reaching out to, to uh, paramedics and, and first responders and partnering with the hospital there. So God is, is at work especially at work in the most challenging and the most difficult of times. And that's, that's the beauty of the Christian life. We've not been left here alone. God has not created us and said, okay, now good luck. And we'll see you at the end of this race. No, he is with us. He is with us. Christ 
in us. And it's by his power that we can make it through every week. It's by his power we can make it through every day and we can advance his, his kingdom in this community, Galesburg, Kansas, and in my town, Avon, Indiana, and the Dominican Republic and Spain and Morocco, North Africa, and around, around the world. God is doing some amazing, amazing things, even bringing the nations here. I wish I had more time just to share about marketplace ministry and what is God, God's doing through business. Business in southwest Missouri, northwest Arkansas, and, and how he's allowing us to train uh, internationals that have come from distant lands and provide education and job training. English is a second language, and they're able to see Jesus in us. <clears throat> you know, it's by God's grace it is by God's grace and it is by his power. It says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. And it ends, this chapter one ends with this last verse where we shall end as well. He says, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God. And Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us this power. And this power, what it looks like in the Christian life, in the most difficult of times, this power looks like love uh, through the Spirit. How many can help me out here? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh-huh, forbearance, patience. I like to forget that one, but I need it most. And when God provides it, it's him because I don't have any. <laughs> self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And I, I forgot, did I forget kindness? No, okay. But you know where that comes from? God gives us that. So on days when we don't feel kind, you know what? We can be kind. Not because we have the power to, but because God's power in us helps us to be kind. And you know when we love the best, when we love when it's from God and not from our own self, you know when that happens? When hate is everywhere else, then God's love flows through us because we don't have the love. He provides it. So his power is seen the most when we can love in the midst of hatred, when we can be kind and gentle in the midst of brutality. You see, that's the genius of, of Christianity. That's the genius of following Jesus is he provides all that. It is, it is of him. It is for him. It is for his glory. And he's chosen just to use common folk and earthen vessels, crack pots. I'm not the 10 talent guy. I might have two. I don't know. But you know what? He'll use this all. He'll fill us. He'll fill us with his power and help us love when we just don't feel like it. And give us joy. When we look around, and I tell you what, joy is being stolen. And he'll give us peace when there doesn't seem to be peace in the headlines anywhere. Patience, kindness, goodness. What? I need his kindness. I need it. It seems like I'm running short. But I need his kindness, and I need his goodness, and I need his gentleness, self-control, all that. And that's what he gives us for his glory.
as the band comes and as we we wrap this up <clears throat> as we as we think about <clears throat> unhindered lives as we think about <clears throat> the unhindered nature of the gospel and it doesn't depend upon us that God has done all the work then we can lean into the greatest pain the greatest difficulty in the world we can lean into it with his power that's within us through the indwelling spirit of God if you have a decision to make you would like prayer I mean Kev's up here elders are here leaders in this church um, seek them out let me pray for you Lord God we thank you for